119 verse oops sorry about that verse 161 we're going to be talking about the title of our message is called in awe of thy word is my am i on here brother mike all right, I turned myself off during the special earlier, so I'm not the only one that's being heard. <laughs> All right, so praise God. Um, so let's talk about some exciting things about the Bible today. I know what we've been talking about have been heavy, maybe sort of hard to receive, stuff like that. But let's talk about some exciting stuff. Let's, let's take a break a bit and talk about some exciting stuff. And that's why the title of our message is called In Awe of Thy Word. Um, and that's, I think, the very first time I stood to preach over here, that was my question. was like, when was the last time that you stood in awe of God's Word? When was the last time that you went, oh! Whoa, that's awesome. When was the last time that you were reading and you trembled? Matter of fact, it just reminded me when we were singing that hymn, Amazing Love. Did you know that the third verse that we sang was about Peter when he was in, the, in prison? When he rose, he woke the, the dungeon flame with, with light. He, was, he thought that he was still dreaming that there was an angel, remember that, in prison, and that his chains were gone. And he was escaping from prison half asleep. <laughs> and then it was, it was just so amazing to me. And it's funny. There was a church in Jerusalem that was praying for Peter to get freed from prison. And then while they were praying, Peter knocked on the door and said, Hey, let me in. And the girl that opened the door just peeked up, picked up, peeked out and closed the door again. And then went back into everyone that was praying and said, Hey. Uh, Peter's out there. <laughs> so I don't know about you guys, but yes, it's true. Not everything that we read from the Bible is things are things this, that are gonna be lovely or easy to understand or or just easy to comprehend. Some of those things are gonna cut us, amen. Because those are the things that we need to get the diamond smoothed out. But there are also a lot of things that should make us stand in awe of thy word. That's why his Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 161 and 162 says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Let's pray. Father, we raise up. Your words today, dear God, and we, we ask for your guidance and for your help, Father, that you would remove all the uh, distractions for our, from our hearts and our minds, and that you would help us just stand in awe and rejoice at your word, dear God, like we've found a great spoil. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My heart standeth in awe of thy word. The, great, the first illustration I ever said when I talked about this, my first message over here was, remember that first time you saw your husband or your wife and your heart went, oh. that's your heart standing in awe of them. When was the first time, when was the last time, I mean, that your heart went, oh. whoa, 
That was awesome on God's Word. Amen? When was the last time you rejoiced at God's Word while you're reading as one that findeth great spoil? The word spoil over there can mean a couple of things. In the modern term, the word spoil means it's spoiled. That means it's milk that has already turned bad. That's not the meaning of that right now. In the olden times, actually it's still even used right now, when an army conquers another country, and then the general says, everything that you find, every treasure that you get, it's all yours. That's called the spoil. When was the last time that you've rejoiced at the Word of God while you were reading it or while you were listening to it as one that findeth great spoil? Amen. Before we go forward, and there's only three points over here actually, but of course, as always, a lot of verses because it's not Brother Francis's word that's preached out up here. It's the Word of God. But before we go forward, did you know that the middle verse of the Bible is found in Psalm 118 verse 8? The middle verse of the Bible is Psalm 118 verse 8. You don't have to go there. It says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And the middle two letters of the Bible is found there. It's called, it's the Lord. The middle two letters, if you start from Genesis 1, 1 and count this way and Revelations and count that way, you will, you will meet in the middle in the Lord. So it's amazing to me that the middle of the Bible, everything in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, revolves around the Lord. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ says, Church the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testified of me. Amen. All right, so our first point is called in the mouth of two or three witnesses. What does that mean, Brother Francis? Thank you for asking, amen? In 2 Corinthians chapter number 13, verse 1, the Bible says, This is the third time I am coming to you, the Apostle Paul says, In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. The Apostle Paul says, don't just receive every news. They're not just actually every news or gossip. You, even doctrine. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, if you have two or three witnesses that corroborate what's being said, then you can be safe in that. It may be established. And so I am calling this first, uh, the first point in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So let's talk about some witnesses and what they think about the King James Bible or what, what they think about the Bible, amen? John Wycliffe is the first person who formally was known to translate the Bible to English. For I say formally because before that, there were actually people who translated the Bible in the English language, but that was Old English. He says, quote, the clergy cry aloud. You know what the clergy is, right? The people, the priests or the pastors or, or the bishops, the, the people who are attributed to, uh, to, to know the Bible. The clergy cry aloud that it is heresy to speak of the Holy Scriptures in English. And so, so they would condemn the Holy Ghost who gave tongues to the apostles uh, of Christ to speak the word of God in all languages under heaven. So John Wycliffe said, 
the, the pastors and the priests, they say you can't really have the perfect word of God in English. Guess what? The Holy Ghost gave God's word in different languages. So if they condemn the, the, the perfect word of God in English, that means they're condemning the Holy Spirit. Right? Next. A fellow by the name of Robert Baker, or Barker, not Bob Barker, the one who hosted uh, um, The Price is Right. <laughs> All right, not him. Robert Barker says, quote, When the impression is fostered that the common man has no preserved and infallible scriptures, the position and authority of the Word of God can more easily be pirated by popish persons and self-conceited brethren who give liking unto nothing but what is framed by themselves and hammered on their an anvil, unquote. What does that mean, Brother Francis? I'm glad you asked. That means if you don't have a perfect word-for-word -word Bible, people can try to invent what it says. People can tell you, well, this is what it says. Because if you don't have a word-for-word -word Bible, People can just invent things. Amen. Right? Next. Somebody who is familiar to us. I hope he's familiar to us. Amen. George Washington. <laughs> he says, quote, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. I was, I'm glad. Well, I'm not glad that, about the content of your prayer request, Brother Richard, because it's the truth that's happening right now. And it's sad. Amen. But I'm glad you mentioned that because it ties in with this quote over here. It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. And so what did Satan do? He took away God from the schools. He took away God from the family. He took away God from the television. He took away God from everyday American life. By how? Taking away the Bible. Amen. How many of you have... I'm not saying that, that I Love Lucy had talked about God over there, but let me just compare the morals during, the, during those times and this time. How many of you... Watched I Love Lucy before. Probably all of us, right? Remember when, uh, remember when uh, Lucy and Ricky Ricardo would go to their bedroom and it's, it's nighttime. They'd go to bed. They would always have separate beds. To me, that was questionable. Was, as a young kid watching, like, are they, they're husbands and, husband and wife. Why, have, why do they have separate beds? Because during that time, the morals were so that even in television, they can't see, they can't show people uh, sleeping in the same bed. That's, that's not the same anymore right now. And so people would say, uh, uh, and so people took away God. Satan took away God from everyday life, everyday society, even the church, by taking away the Bible. Remember last Sunday, I talked to you about that the, the message was called American Shibboleth, that when the Americans came to the Philippines, we did not have anything to teach, or we did not, they did not have anything to teach the, the students, the little boys and girls, how to, read the, or how to read and write, but the American soldiers had a standard issue Bible, King James Bible, and that's what they used. So much so that the Philippines actually was the number three, the third English-speaking country in the world during that time. Can you imagine that? There's England and its empire. Then there's America. And then there's the Philippines. What? 
a little old country called the Philippines. Why? Because the world, the word of God was sent there and it was put on high regard. Amen. Um, what about uh, Thomas Jefferson? He says, the Bible, quote, is the cornerstone of liberty. A student's perusal of the sacred volume will make him a better citizen, a better father, and a better husband, unquote. Amen to that, right? What about uh, Andrew Jackson? Quote, that book, sir, is the rock on which our republic stands, unquote. You go to schools right now and you ask them what form of government they, we have, they'll always say we're a democracy. No, we're not. We're a republic. Do people still know the difference of that? No. Yes, by the way, I'm going to brag on myself a little bit. I aced the immigration test. <laughs> I'm just playing around a little bit. But hey, these things are important. It's impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. So Satan knows that. The Christians don't know that. They differentiate God and the Bible. They, put, they separate them. But if you take the Bible out, then everyone's version of God is just how they, how they concoct it to be, how they invent it to be. Satan knew that, so what did he do? Get the Bible out of the churches, get the Bible out of the, the schools, and then you have what? Chaos. Um, fellow by the name of uh, Patrick Henry. You, you remember Patrick Henry? I remember in high school, in high school, in the Philippines. Every single one of us had to memorize his speech and the Gettysburg Address by Abraham Lincoln. I remember. Remember Patrick Henry's speech? Give me liberty or give me death. You know, he was actually not the original of that. Patrick Henry was riding around and he found and he saw a preacher in chains or in prison or in the stocks or whatever you have it in this country. Because guess what? You know why the pilgrims came over here? Freedom of religion, amen. But guess what? It followed them here as well. That there were so many people, so many preachers being imprisoned, killed or persecuted. One of them was found by Patrick Henry while he was on his horse. The preacher says, give me liberty or give me death. And he heard that and he put that in his speech. He says, quote, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ, unquote. Now listen, I know not everyone is perfect. I know some of these people have done some bad things in their lives, just like every one of us have. But listen to the point on the context of what they're saying, Amen. Um, let, me go, let me go a little bit here and pop quiz. Can we have a pop quiz? When was the Constitutional Convention started and ended? You remember that? Started in May 25th, 1787, ended in 7th, September the 17th. Amen. 
All right? It was ratified the next year, June 21, 1788. Right? But do you know when the First Amendment or the Bill of Rights was added? A few years later, December 15, 1791. So they were wondering, hey, we have this constitution. Why isn't it taken off? Um, how many of you know the name John Leland? John Leland was actually a Baptist pastor from, from Orange County in Virginia. Who was a friend to Jefferson. He was also a friend of Madison. And they were asking him, hey, we need your support. Just, just long story short here because we have a lot of things to discuss. Hey, we need your support. Why do you think the Constitution that we wrote and ratified isn't taken off? John Leland said, you know what? You're going to get our support. Hit the Baptists over there at, at Virginia. He said, we're going to get our support as long as you put these amendments into the Constitution. The very first of which is, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting a, a, a respecting an and establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof you know who wrote that down or who 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 worded it that way a fellow by the name of fisher ames fisher ames said quote should not the bible regain the place it once held as a school book, its morals are pure, its examples are captivating and noble. The reverence for the sacred book that is thus early impressed lasts long and probably, if not impressed in infancy, never takes firm hold on of the mind. If no book is there so good English, so pure and so elegant, and by teaching all the same, they will speak alike and the Bible will justly remain the standard of language as well as of faith. The guy who worded that first amendment, Fisher Ames said, Hey, this book has such a wonderful language in it, wonderful English in it. It is almost a crime if you don't start teaching your kids from infancy. Those were, that was the caliber of men back then who stood for the Bible. Amen. Oh, well, we know Winston Churchill, right? He said, quote, must everything in our, our age be predigested? Does the Bible have to be reduced to pablum? I refuse to believe that modern man who split the atom and is exploring space is unable to cope, to cope with the grandeur and the glory of the King James Bible. Does everything always have to be watered down? Does everything always have to be regurgitated? And that's what we have in our pulpits these days. Regurgitated preaching, amen. Regurgitated Bible study. Preachers don't have time to get on the, into the book because they don't know if they have the right Bible or not. And so what do they do? And believe me, I was, I was guilty of this too. I'd go on the internet and type on, huh, this Sunday, I want to preach on love. Uh, what's a good outline? Search sermon outlines on love. And so what, it is, what is it? Regurgitated messages. Regurgitated, regurgitated uh, Bible studies. Hey, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. We don't... You, the, the, the devil is always in the business of watering things down. And we have to be careful. Amen. 
Next, he's still there. Last but not the least here in, first, in, in our first um, uh, point. Alexis de Tocqueville. I'm sure you know who this guy is. He said, quote, I sought for the greatness of America in her, in her harbors and rivers and fertile fields and her mines and commerce. It was not there. Not until I went into the churches and, I, and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the greatness of her power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great, unquote. Guess what kind of Bible they were talking, he was talking about in that pulpit when, the, when he was going around in the U.S. Whew. Number one, in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Number two, science falsely so-called. Guess how amazing our Bible is. Do you know, before people discovered things in science, in the field of science, the Bible already has it down, Amen. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Do you know? Well, let's just go to the verse. Isaiah chapter number 40, verse number 22. Isaiah chapter 40 says, It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Years before people discovered that the earth was a sphere, amen. The Bible says the circle of the earth. Before that, people have different kinds of beliefs. Before that, people thought that the world was flat. flat. And before that, some people thought that the world was on top of a giant turtle. But years before that, God knew because He was the creator of it. Amen. And He wrote down, It is He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Next, Isaiah chapter, or sorry, Job chapter 25, verse 5, uh, credited to be the oldest book that was ever written. Amen. Job chapter 25, Behold even to the moon, and it shineth not. Question, all of you who are not sleeping in your science class, does the moon emit its own light? No, it reflects the light of the sun. Even before the science, scientists and the astronomers and, uh, and the uh, teachers, the science book discovered that God knew in the book of Job, the moon and it shineth not. Yea, the stars are not pure in its sight. In its sight. Next, Job chapter 38 verse 19. Before they knew that light traveled in a, in a certain path, God knew because He created it. And God is light. He says, where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? Amen. And even, even beyond that, in Job chapter 38 verse 24, just a couple of verses down, before the scientists discovered that you can take a prism, shine a light on it, and separate the different colors, God already knew by what way is the light parted. You know that's how, that's how colors work, right? 
The ray, the ray of light from the sun is composed of different colors and whatever a specific object or a specific matter is supposed to be, its color is supposed to be, that's the color that, reflect, that it reflects. And before the scientists knew what it was, God already knew it and wrote it down in the first book, in, uh, in, in the book of Job, which is credited to be one of the first, the oldest book written in the Bible. I don't know about you, that's exciting stuff to me, amen? Next, in Job 38, verse 35, Canst thou send lightnings, and that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are. Before they ever had a telephone. Oh, by the way, I gave my father-in-law and his friend, who uh, uh, used to work here as the janitor before, a tour of the building, and we went over there at the kitchen, and he was like, oh, a rotary phone. <laughs> you remember that phone on that wall over there? Before there was ever a phone, nobody knows. that Nobody knew that they can send a signal somewhere into one place. And even before that, we only thought it could just be through the, the telephone lines. And now it's cellular technology, amen. Or Bluetooth technology. Or Wi-Fi technology. But who knew that you can send something that far? that far and that fast. God knew. Can you imagine? I was, I was in college, and probably you can probably uh, uh, relate to this. When in the Philippines, we're a few years late when it comes to technology compared to here. So the first time I ever had an email address was when I was, my own email address when I was in college. So I went back to my Lola, to my grandmother, and said, Lola, Grandma, I have an email address. What is that? I say, I just type it on the computer, and I press something, and it can send, and the recipient can just get it as soon as possible. Well, my grandma, when I was a little boy, I still remember, man, I'm dating myself. <laughs> I still remember my grandma sending me to the telegram office, how many of you have ever sent or received a telegram before? And my grandma would just give me a few pesos, the currency in the Philippines. Make sure these are the words that you say because each word costs something or each character costs something. And so just from telegram to telephone, I remember having party lines, amen, and then, and then email and then cell phone and then text messages and stuff like that. Who knew? God knew before anyone can ever dream of it. God knew. Oh, by the way, talking about pandemics and talking about the plague, you remember the Black Plague during, uh, during the Dark Ages there? It, uh, it, the, the verse says, Leviticus 15, verse 13, And when he that had an issue is cleansed of his issue, his issue, then he shall number to himself seven days for his cleansing and wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in what? Running water and shall be clean. Back then, they did not use running water. They would just grab a basin and then just wash their water in there. And that's how the black plague, the bubonic plague spread. And actually, the verse before this said, the vessel that you use, you should break it. And during that time, the doctor, it was a Jewish doc doctor who, who read this verse and said, hey, we're supposed to be washing our, washing our hands in running water. 
And that's how slowly and slowly the plague started to end. Who knew? God knew. Amen. Last but not the least, a heritage forever. A heritage forever. What do you mean a heritage forever, Brother Francis? The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 111, Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. You can tell somebody who's been around the Bible because they, started, they start quoting Bible. Or not that they're quoting Bible, but their language starts having... Like... Bible language in it. I'll give you an example. My boss, as far as I know, I don't think he goes to church. I think he was raised in church. Why? Because while we're talking, while he's giving a presentation in front of the whole department, he would say these, these terms, lo and behold. <laughs> he'd, he'd say something like, well, we're doing this, and then lo and behold, this happens. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> That's Bible language. And sometimes, even in my own meetings when I, that I'm giving to my own uh, team, sometimes I would spew out the term, Amen. <laughs> I'd be like, alright, so this is what we're going to do, Amen? <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. At first, I was ashamed. But then we start to grow in God's Word. I'm like, wait, wait a second, that's God's Word. Maybe that's a way that I can share my testimony to people. But it was funny. Why? Because if you are in the book daily, it starts to become a heritage. If you teach it to your kids, it starts to become a heritage forever. Amen? So look at Psalm 100, or Deuteronomy chapter number 32. Tell me if you, realize, if you recognize this term over here or this phrase. He found him in a desert land in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. You know where that come from? From the King James Bible. Amen. In uh, Nehemiah 13 verse 11. Then contented I with the rulers and said, Why is thy house of why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Have you heard people or have you used that term before? This guy needs to be set in his place. You know where that came from? From the King James Bible. Amen. Next, Job chapter number 11 verse 16. Now this is a little bit tricky here, but bear with me. Because thou shalt forget thy misery... And remember it as waters that pass away. How many of you have heard the term or the phrase, it's all water under the bridge? Praise God. Next. Psalm 4, verse 8. I will both lay me down and in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. I hope that's... I mean, that's prayer that little children pray, man. I hope that's not your prayer right now anymore. I hope it, you've grown from that. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Amen. Or you know where that came from? From the Bible. Psalm 58, verse 8. As a snail which melteth, let every one of them pass away. The term pass away 
The phrase, pass away when somebody dies, came from the Bible. Amen. The term, well, Proverbs 25, verse 14. Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. Now, that's kind of a little bit technical, but have you heard of the term, he's just filled with hot air? You know, if you did not notice last Yes, yesterday afternoon before it started to rain, it starts to become really warm and humid, hot air, and then all of a sudden the, the heavens open. That's what happens. You know where that term came from? From the Bible. Amen. Look at this. Um, Ecclesiastes 10 verse 19. Have you ever heard of the term money talks? A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. Money talks. You know where that came from? From the Bible. Look at, look at, ooh, Song of Solomon, verse two, chapter 2, verse 5. Guess what? Curse not the king, not no, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice of that which hath wings. Oops, sorry, that's not the one that I was trying to see. Uh, here we go. Stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. Have you ever been lovesick? <laughs> Have you ever heard that term, lovesick? You know where that came from? From the Bible, amen. Next, um, Isaiah 52, verse 8. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice. Uh, with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again to Zion. Have you ever heard of the term eye to eye? What does that mean? That means you are agreeing with each other. That means you're in the same page. You see eye to eye. Where does that come from? From the Bible. Amen. Last but not the least for point number three, and then we'll conclude. Mark 3.21. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. As a Filipino guy learning in my sophomore year of high school, as a Filipino guy learning uh, figures of speech, I was like, have you ever heard the term, you can have your cake and eat it too? I'm like, what does that mean? If I have a cake, I'm definitely going to eat it. <laughs> and then when people say, you're beside yourself, what does that mean? He is beside himself. If you are beside yourself, that means you're out of yourself. That means you're out of your mind. <laughs> right? Where did that come from? From the Bible. Why are you telling us all of this, Brother Francis? Let me give you a story. Then we'll conclude. The college that I went to in Florida... Is not accredited by the state back then. And we were actually taken to court because of that. And, uh, and the, uh, the attorneys said, um, well, long story short, you know how we won that? My pastor said, you know, the word college is a Bible term. The word college is a Bible term. You can find it in, I believe, I can't remember where, but that's when, uh, when um, 
Elisha. The prophet Elisha had his preacher boys, has his, a, prof, a, a college, a school for the prophets. If you read it over there, you'll find it in the King James Bible, amen. And that's how we won that. I'm just saying that this book has taken root into American lives. And not just American lives, Filipino lives, obviously. <laughs> and just the people who raised this book up, amen. So much so that the devil said, let's take that away from you. Let's give confusion to the churches. Let's give confusion to the churches so much so that they don't read the Bible anymore. By the way, I forgot to, tell, to say this last week, but in every church that I went to in the Philippines growing up, started by U.S. missionaries. I remember sitting, well, not sitting, we all had to stand whenever we read the Bible. I remember every Sunday we would read five chapters of the Bible. There was no problem whatsoever. Why? Because everyone had the same Bible. You know what the, Bible, what, you know what the devil said? Let's give confusion to the churches. Let's stop the churches from reading the Bible. What, what are we going to do? Let's give them different verse, uh, versions so whenever they read, they'll get discouraged because everyone has different Bibles. I'm just saying that this book has made an impact into our lives. The devil knows it, so he took it away from the schools, and he took it away from the churches. Hence, he took it away from the families, and he took it away from our daily lives and replaced it with all kinds of watered-down doctrine. And then we're surprised about why, at why these things are happening to our country. Last verse, then we're done. Psalm 119, verse 9 to 16. Actually, a few verses. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from, my commandment, from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgment of thy mouth. Oops, sorry, of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. This is where I want to go to and then we're done. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. What do we do? How do we approach the problem of what's going on with our homes, our schools, and our families, and our countries? Well, number one, people are not going to do anything until they're saved. Amen? We have to make sure that they're saved. Number two, we need to make sure that we bring the Bible back into our lives. And we cannot share the Bible to other people unless we are living it ourselves. All the other cliches are helpful. All the other bumper sticker te uh, uh, theologies are wonderful, are helpful, but they're only moral things. Amen. The one that has the power of God is God's words. Unless we live it in our lives, it will not take root or take effect.
in our country, in our school, in our society, in our state, in our city, our community, in our family. How about it today? When was the last time your heart stood in awe of God's word? Maybe you have. Maybe you need to make while we while we sing here in a bit. Maybe you need to make a a, a commitment or recommit yourself to God and say, Lord, I haven't been doing my Bible reading. Please help me find time. And listen, it doesn't happen only to you. It happens to me. It happens to everyone. Amen. That we get tired, we get weary, but we need to take time and read God's Word. Amen. Let's go back to that Bible reading campaign. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, your words, and thank you, Lord, for the encouragement. I pray, dear God, that this message was an encouragement to everyone of your wonderful, wonderful words. And I pray, Father, that you would help us. There are so many things in life. I'm not saying these things are irrelevant or, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that we're not supposed to acknowledge those things. Some, a lot of times these are in, important things that we must do. But give us the strength, please, dear God. And give us the excitement, dear Father. Uh, to read your words and to stand in awe of it. Where do we start, dear God? Just like what we said from the first time, help us to start in the books of the Apostle Paul because we know for sure that that was written to us and that they're easier and that they're shorter, practically speaking. Father, help us, dear God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.